Portions of this show have been pre-recorded. Uh, yeah. It's a podcast rebroadcast. All of it is pre-recorded. You big dummy. Identify for retina scan. Oh, yeah. Here we are playing a little uh, nostalgic geekiness, having a little bit of fun. This is not BK. BK is out enjoying some family time, some beach time, some vacation. The unofficial start of summer is underway, but I am filling in the commander's chair. I've got the, I guess it's the captain's chair. I'm sitting here behind the console driving this starship we call BK on the air. And we like to do things nostalgic and throwback. How much more nostalgic do you get than bringing back Mike Clark? Good morning. Hey, I guess I'm in the first officer's chair you're in the realm of nostalgic geekiness no i know do you feel comfortable oh yes it's and like, i am so happy to be here you know it's crazy my wife is like how do you do that how do you go from like you can talk the news of the day what's happening you know the people you know the movers the shakers you know what's happening you're mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like you flip a switch it's like hey let's talk about movies and comic books and all the things that we like yes. when we were growing up i'm like because mm-hmm. i can have multiple interests that care yes. that, that captivate me equally you're passionate about two different things i have passions mm-hmm. yes yes mm-hmm. she's like how about for for cleaning the house i'm like i have no passion for that no <laughs> none none nothing <laughs> drives me to say you know what i should do today i haven't painted the house in a while <laughs> it doesn't never end my mind that's funny my wife literally will look at me she goes did you not see that i'm like oh now that you pointed out i see she goes how did you not see that i'm like i I didn't i didn't see Mm -hmm. that why i'm like i'm i say contrary to some of our folks in the culture today men and women are actually different did you know that? Oh, yeah. There are very distinct differences. Oh, yes. Very much so. Um, and uh, I don't care how, uh, how, how, how much on a fluid scale you think that exists. I am not going to ever be a woman. I cannot act, think, or do the things that my wife does. I just, I lack that ability. And she, on the other hand, says, I'm so glad I'm not a man because I'm smart. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh. I'm the dummy. Well, good to have you here in studios. Thanks yes. for being here. Oh, no problem. Oh, my gosh. So, folks, if you are brand new to the listening audience, first of all, you're going to have to come back next week because my tonal quality could not be any different from BK, the baritone. D- oh, yeah. Hi, I'm BK on the air. And, you know, he's got that. That radio I, I, voice. Yes, he's got that <laughs> bomb, booming bo- uh, bass tone. I don't. I've got the uh, Midwestern, no accent, accent, but... Uh, what I make up in tone, I can. What I what I lack in tone, I make up in passion. Yes. So let's continue our our, our jump down nostalgic geekiness because that's what we do here. We talk about all things that you know. We, we remember the the things we had growing up, but how it relates to things today. We talk about the current movies and how it related to the movies maybe we saw growing up, and maybe how these series launched one yep. to the other to the other, and all of a sudden you see reboots and you're like, wait a minute, uh, you guys used to make fun of people who like movies like that. Now these are like the mainstream films. Oh you know? yeah. Everything's a franchise. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. Are you a Christopher Nolan fan? You don't have to like all of his movies, but do, are you at least a fan of Christopher Nolan? Um, I did like the Batman films up okay. to like the third one. But uh, other than that, I'm not sure I've seen any of his other movies. Starting out with Memento. Didn't see that. You didn't see Inception? Nope. Tenet? Nope. Dunkirk? Yes. Okay, saw Dunkirk. What about I did, Inter- li- I did like Dunkirk. That was great. What about Interstellar? No. You should spend some time getting acquainted <laughs> with, with, with Mr. Nolan. The reason I bring that up is I always hear this argument today. No one makes anything original anymore. And there's a good argument to be oh, made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I go, have you seen any of the Christopher Nolan movies? Even the his Batman was so uniquely original. Yeah, it was different. 
And you're like, oh my God, these are great. And let's face it, Dark Knight is the best of the trilogy. Yes. I mean, I love Batman Begins. I do too. You need to have that to establish uh-huh. this character. You took it to a completely new level with the Dark yep. Knight. You had social commentary. You had political commentary. You had a great story. You had two archetype villains that you were like, I love both of these people equally. Mm-hmm. I love what the Joker's doing, even though mm-hmm. I know he's a sadistic, evil person. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's captivating. And then he you is. watch Batman, who's trying to fight that, and he's captivating. I'm like, you got these forces at work, and that's exactly what mm-hmm. you had in the comic book. And Nolan captured it beautifully. It was yes, but then he fumbled. Yeah, I'd say the Dark Knight <laughs> Rises. Uh, he kind of fell short. Yeah, a little bit. But again, after Batman and Robin, there was no way to go but up. Right. Right. No. That's true. That's true. After the the original that started with the uh, Tim Burton. Yeah, uh, series and it kind of got pulled out. What's the guy's name that took over? He was an art director and he became the director. Oh, uh, uh, and there it goes. Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. But he directed Batman Forever and kind of like got stuck as the director from that point mm-hmm. forward. And they each got goofier and goofier yeah. as they went along. Yeah, and you know, BK is yelling at the radio now. Well, He's like, well, that's, of course, that's this guy. You know who it is? Well, we both know who it is because yes. we, we're smart people, but we also have a lot of information in our heads. And uh, sometimes things run out of our heads, yep. and we just kind of like let things slip off for a little bit. Yep. Well, some you know, new trivia. Joel oh, Schumacher. That's right. Joel Schumacher. I so you just you, you you talk enough nonsense, uh-huh. and eventually your brain goes, "Oh, you're trying to look up this file." <laughs> yeah, like, bye bye. It, it pops up. <laughs> so yeah, Joel Schumacher. Um, you could tell he was an art director. Every, all of the movies from Batman Forever on started becoming more and more colorful, more cartoonish. More, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's just how he is. He, that's where he started. So, um, no, Batman, The let me ask you this with The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. I know you're like, people are like, like, why are you talking about a movie that came out like 15 years ago? Because that's what we do here. That's what we do. <laughs> um, what I, I have the same sensation every time I try to rewatch it. It feels like as I get to the end, I ask myself, did I fall asleep and miss something? I yeah. always feel like, how did, wait a minute, we're, it's like I've missed something. And I was like, okay, no, I didn't pass out in the middle. No, I didn't fall asleep in the middle. No, I didn't walk out in the middle. But it doesn't feel like I somehow can explain why the movie's ending the way it is and how we got here. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It just feels weird. Like there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, we know Batman Bruce Wayne would never just quit. Right. I mean, that's uncharacteristic of him. Mm-hmm. Well, I also get what Christopher Nolan, in his mind, he was like, I didn't want to get caught creating a franchise that goes on and on and on. I wanted yeah. to tell I wanted to tell the story, his rise, his mm-hmm. peak, his fall. I, I, I kind of get that as an yeah. artist. Fine. I fine. get it. All right. Fine. I agree. But it's like you crammed so many subplots and story threads and notions in the last one that you never really mm-hmm. resolved, in my mind, all of them, because it just felt like a lot of mess. It felt like there yeah. was a lot of mess. Mm-hmm. There were some great moments, great little set pieces. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kept feeling like, is there a director's cut that would be released one day that's like seven hours long? It's like, ah, <laughs> now it makes sense. Yep. Now it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some movies, I think, suffer from cut too much. You know, you, oh, yeah. you film a lot and you go, oh, we got to cut it down. The studio says we can't have a three and a half hour runtime. Yeah, and that's crazy because if it's a good story mm-hmm. it needs to be that long totally agree that's <laughs> why i'm a big fan of the extended editions of all of the lord of the rings movies they were already long in the theater but they're just masterpieces that you can watch at home in the comfort of your of your yep. home theater mm-hmm.
Oh my gosh, we're already up against the first break. When we come back, we have got a golden rage of television with uh, Pat McCormack. He's going to be telling us... Well, actually, where is that golden rage? I had it up here. I Ooh. believe it's going to be about bosom buddies. Can you believe that now? Oh, cons- wow. that we now consider that the golden age of television? Oh, wow. Bosom buddies. Tom One Hanks. of Tom Hanks' sitcom on television. Yep. Oh, my start. goodness. We'll be back with more BK on the air. root beer that way? Because that's how I hold a frosty mug of A&W. But that's not a frosty mug. <sighs> sure tastes like one. A&W root beer's got that frosty mug taste. A&W root beer's got that frosty mug taste. A&W root beer's got that frosty mug taste. You are the new American society. The movers and the shakers. Hold on to your dreams. You are the new coffee generation. Because coffee lets you calm yourself down and picks you up. Coffee gives you the serenity to dream it and the vitality to do it. No other drink does that like coffee. Join the coffee achievers. Do your best. When we first moved to New York, we had a great apartment that was dirt cheap. And we found out why it was so cheap. Our friend Amy said there was a great apartment in her building. Dirt cheap, but it's a hotel for women. Okay, we made one adjustment. Now these other ladies know us as Buffy and Hildegard. But they also know us as Kip and Henry, Buffy and Hildy's brothers. I am uh, crazy about the blonde. (laughs) This experience is going to make a great book. See, it's all perfectly normal. fellow classic TV fans, Bosom Buddies, starring Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari, aired from 1980 to 82. They played two young advertising professionals who disguised themselves as women in order to secure an affordable apartment in a women-only building. The show was notable for its unique blend of humor, social commentary, and slapstick comedy. What's interesting is that it was originally pitched as a drama, but was later retooled as a comedy after the producers decided the concept was a bit too risky for a serious show. This decision paid off, and the show became a huge hit with audiences and critics alike. It also helped to launch the careers of both Hanks and Scolari. Bosom Buddies was one of the first television shows to tackle issues of gender identity and sexuality in a lighthearted and accessible way. The show's portrayal of two male characters as sympathetic and relatable figures helped to break down stereotypes and challenge traditional notions of masculinity and femininity. Despite its popularity, Bosom Buddies was canceled after only two seasons due to low ratings and increased competition from other shows. However, the show has remained a cult classic and has inspired numerous imitations and parodies over the years, cementing its place in television history. This is Pat McCormack with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. Be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Golden Rage of TV and my retro TV radio podcast available on most popular platforms. And now back to BK on the air. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when we're part of the team. Everything is awesome. See? Everything's awesome. Yep. I fixed it. <laughs> Hardly noticed a problem at all. No, it was so um, smooth. And it was like a minor blip. It was like that little hair on the record. You just heard a little, and that was yep. it, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so, you know, we were... Uh, 
folks who are listening to this as a podcast, assuming BK puts it out as a podcast, he may, he may look at this and go, you know, I have a certain reputation and I cannot ruin it any further by letting this come on as trash. But um, <laughs> <laughs> assuming he does, you and I were talking a little about Disney and about some of the decisions that seem to be filtering down from on high. And we don't like any studio messing with the creative types, especially when it's yes. the bean counters. And then if you add cultural bean counters, you're like, okay, guys, stop it. Stop messing. Exactly. I don't know if you heard this. Tim Burton has said he's done making movies for Disney. Well, good. He's like, I'm done. He said the company is a, quote, horrible big circus. I Yes, I agree with that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton said while filming Dumbo, he said, I realized that I actually was the Dumbo taking on work in this horrible big circus and I needed to escape. Wow. That's a pretty strong indictment of a mega industrial studio. Well, it is. And it's also another one of those, why are you doing live action remakes of all your classic animated films? Because you can. Well, that, but so far, it's like, what? Uh, Which, any of them been Maleficent? But that wasn't a remake. Right. I liked The Lion King. I thought that was cool because it was all computer animated. Right. It was just live action animated to look like, but they didn't have people. It was still the 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 the, the animals. It was right. still the story. I thought it was cool. I thought The Jungle Book was pretty cool. Because that, that was one. all digital. Everything about The Jungle Book. They actually, it, when you watch it, you're like, how in the world did they pull this off? The leaves look real. The trees look real. Everything looks real. And it was all shot in a studio. Well. That's John how far Favreau. that's how far we've come. Mm-hmm. The only one I saw in the theater because it's one of my favorites is uh, Beauty and the Beast, and by the end of it, I was like, eh, "Do you realize I haven't it? I haven't watched that one?" Oh, see, all the ones you're naming, <laughs> I haven't watched. <laughs> What's crazy is of the animated classics, starting with I think like the studio for me, you had your old like your seven the uh, Snow White, you had mm-hmm. your. Uh, Prince Charming, you had all the classics. Right. But for me, like the new classics, and maybe only because I w- started paying attention with my kids being little, yep. started with The Little Mermaid. Yes, I agree. Me too. And then, they d- and then it was like hit after hit after it was like yes. Little Mermaid. Then it was uh, Beauty and the Beast. And then it was Aladdin. And then it was uh, Lion King. And I'm just like, these guys, uh, even Hunchback. Tarzan and, and Hunchback and Notre Dame and, and, and Mulan. I'm like, these guys can't miss. Yep. Like, these guys are just the, the- awesome. The Disney Renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> and of all of them, which is ironic talking about Beauty and the Beast, I thought of all of them, Beauty and the Beast was probably the strongest overall story. I liked mm-hmm. it the best. I liked the whole idea of a strong, independent female who was willing to go and see beyond, to go beyond the the, the, the surface. Yep. I mm-hmm. wish more people today would realize you can go beyond the surface and there's a lot more there. Yes. Get the point of what Beauty <laughs> and the Beast is all about. Of course, now it's all Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would I would argue Munchausen by proxy as well, but that's a whole different story. We'll go in a different direction another day. Right, exactly. For me, I'll, and which is why I'm like, why didn't I watch the live action yet? And I and I probably will, but mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't watched it. I can tell you, I've been very happy with some of the Disney animated movies that I've watched. It was so funny because my wife actually looked at me sideways because my daughter said, "Hey, have you guys seen Encanto?" I was like, "Oh yeah, that's awesome." And right. my wife was like. You watched Encanto? I'm like, yeah, when it debuted on Disney+, Plus, I said the animation's great, the music's yep. great. Mm-hmm. She goes, that movie just came out last year. I said, uh-huh. She goes, our girls all moved out. I'm like, uh-huh. So you watched Encanto, a cartoon, by yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, What's okay. wrong with that? <laughs> yes. But no, I loved Encanto. I thought that was great. I loved, mm-hmm. I loved um, 
Mo- uh, uh, um, was it Coco? No, the, uh, Coco. Well, that's a uh, Pixar. Well, Which is still, still owned Disney, by Disney. Yeah. To me, I make a very big distinction between Disney animation and Pixar. Because Pixar, I think, blows away storylines for most of the Disney stuff. I think Pixar yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I I have not... I liked... I've liked every Pixar film that's ever come out. What was it? Soul? I thought was so, good. So good. That was great. Um, and that came out during the pandemic. So well, it was straight yeah. to video. Mm-hmm. I even liked... Oh, uh, Onward. Do you see that about the kid? The the basically you're set in a D and D world. There's these two little ca- characters. Their dad had died, and the kid never really knew who his dad was. And they were able to bring a spell to bring his at least his pants back to life. Oh no, I never saw that. I never heard of that. That came out during the pandemic too, straight to Disney Plus. It was so good. It's a uh, um, well, it's Spider Man and Star Lord as the as the two character actors. Okay, so. Uh, you've got Tom Holland and Chris um, Pratt. Chris Pratt as the two brothers. Okay. And I was like, okay, I get it. Pandemic, not a big studio release. They probably pulled back on a lot of the production. The first half, maybe I was like, oh, this is it's cute. Mm-hmm. Stupid Pixar gets me every time. I'm like, by the end, I'm like, <laughs> this is a great movie. Of course. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, of course, my wife makes fun of me. She goes, you have the waterworks on everything. I'm like, not everything. Just Pixar knows how to pull the strings. Oh, yeah. They push all the right buttons. They hit all of the right <laughs> notes all the time. It's almost as if they're focused on telling a good story. Exactly. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Let's get back to our story with Tim Burton. According to this, speaking at the Lumiere Festival in Lyon, uh, after receiving the Prix Lumière Burton, uh, the Prix Lumière Award, I guess Burton revealed that the 2019 film likely marked the end of his long-running creative relationship with Disney. He began his film career as an animator at Disney, if you didn't know this, mm-hmm. uh, before Warner Brothers hired him to make his live-action directorial debut with Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He returned to work with Disney with films like Ed Wood, Nightmare Before Christmas, Alice in Wonderland, Frank and Weenie, and the most recent Dumbo. Burton believes that the entertainment landscape has shifted to the point where it no longer makes sense for him to collaborate with the entertainment giant. He explained that his experience working on Dumbo made him realize that Disney had gotten too big for him, which probably means too controlling. Exactly. That's what it means. I think that happens. Doesn't that mean really like in everything, isn't that the case? If things get just too big, you start feeling like they get to call all the shots? Exactly. Exactly. I, I agree, and I'm surprised um, Disney hasn't been broken up as a monopoly. Well, you know, they brought Bob Iger back because the other Bob well, yeah. was like tank- tanking it in the last five years. Well, Bob Iger isn't doing that good a job well, either. He's trying to pull it out. He's only been brought back since November of last year. Right. So I know. he's only been there six months. So you got mm-hmm. you had a lot of things that the other Bob, what's his name? Bob Manchik, Bob um, Capchik, Capic, whatever his last name yep. was. You You're had close. that. Yeah, he. <laughs> I mean, he had years to just com- completely shift direction. And all uh, the Disney Corporation realizes that right now, if they want to stay solvent, they have to cut $5.5 billion of, of, of cost. They're oh, getting yeah. ready to lay off a bunch of people. They're pulling back on a lot of projects because the previous CEO basically wasn't being very fiduciarily responsible. Yes. And they're pulling things off Disney Plus that aren't making any money. They're well, just they wasting should. money because nobody's watching them. But that's now caused a big outcry. Well, now you've got people saying, well, the only reason why you're not watching is because you don't agree with the agenda. 
Oh wait, you mean I get to pick what things I like and get mm-hmm. to choose what I like? You're trying to tell me that it's that it's my fault for choosing I don't want to watch your show? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe your show maybe, is trash. Maybe I'm hateful. Maybe I'm full of evil and rottenness and I should just be have some time with myself to realize what a beautiful show that was. The She-Hulk yes. is the most awarded show on yeah. television. Or Willow. Wow, what a great show. That I uh <laughs> I love the movie. I Oh, can that we, was awful. Can we talk about Willow when we come back? Sure. I battled through and I don't think I even finished the first season. I finally, I think I just said, okay, I just can't. I, the best actor in that was Willow. Oh, yeah. Oh, Warwick Davis. But the rest of it, oh. We'll be back. We've got GNN coming up. More of BK on the air. Stick around. We'll return after these messages. harmful rays. Want some? Nope. I'm gonna stay out all day and get a great tan. Look at your back. It's as red as a lobster. I don't feel so good. Hey Stella, your friend's been out in the sun without protection. Leatherneck. Next time use the sunscreen. Wear a hat and a shirt and look for some shade when it's really sunny. A bad sunburn could make you sick and even put you in the hospital. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Welcome back, everyone. This is a little adventure time here. We call BK on the air. I'm Alan Sanders, joined with Mike Clark. BK is on a little bit of vacation. So format-wise, I know what we're supposed to be doing here, but um, I was a bad boy. Mike, I was bad. What? what, what, How? Well, I, I had a link that BK sent me for all of these things that, uh, that he likes to do in a segment where you kind of, you know, the audience yeah, of the I news is the weird, the strange, the bizarre. And I only printed out one news. So this could be a real short segment. Okay. <laughs> well, at least you got one. <laughs> and it's the only one that at least jumped out at me. And I was supposed mm-hmm. to look at the other ones. And I could probably find some goofy ones, but I think you and I could probably kill some time on this one. So let's say I have got the first and only news. I'll just play that a bunch of times. Fill the... We'll fill that void that we call mm-hmm. me not doing show prep. Um, the headline, Senior Prank Lists Maryland High School for Sale on Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's awesome. They've got a screen grab of the Zillow showing of this particular uh, prank. I will read you the story from UPI. Uh, May, uh, Maryland High School was listed on Zillow for a mere $42,069 in what <laughs> school officials described as a senior prank. The listing, which briefly appeared on Zillow before being removed hours later, described the 12,458-square-foot Mead High School as a half-working jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Quote, 
All 15 bathrooms come with sewage issues, the suing the, the listing states. There's a nice spacious kitchen and dining room with a private basketball court. <laughs> the listing said the property comes with complimentary trash-scented air fresheners and water issues. <laughs> Bob Mosier, a spokesperson for Anne Arundel County Public Schools, called the listing incredibly creative advertising. But we are <laughs> frankly stunned the listing so vastly underestimated the value of a prime piece of real estate like this, especially one with such amazing amenities, Mosier told the Baltimore Banner. I can't imagine that there isn't going to be a rush of bidders to snap this one up. <laughs> At least he was good about yeah. it. Mosier <laughs> said school officials believed the listing was a prank by seniors. Years. He said administrators are taking it in good humor, saying, quote, no one was hurt, no property was damaged. And as he said, it was pretty creative. Yeah, it was. It that really... is a really, really good senior prank. I got to be yes. honest with you. That is a cool one. You list your high school and you list it as a semi-working or a, a half-working jail. <laughs> jail. <laughs> and then all these problems. <laughs> um, how about this story? I've got one. Uh, oh, look, I have found another news. <laughs> it just showed up. Pizzeria offers to delay payments until after customers die. I just read the headline. I went, I'm interested in this yes, story. you've got me. Tell me uh, more. From New Zealand, a New Zealand-based pizza chain is offering an unusual proposition to customers. Buy now, pay when you die. Okay. Um, let's, let's continue. Yeah, how does this work? Now, uh, we know the FCC has some regulations. This is technically not in violation of the FCC because this is the name of the business. Hell Pizza okay. <laughs> announced <laughs> the afterlife party promotion. It was inspired by the buy now, pay later schemes adopted by several New Zealand businesses. It says, quote, we're seeing a growing number of people using the schemes to buy essential items like food. And we think it's taking it a step too far when you've got to when you've got quick service restaurants like ours being asked to offer buy now, pay later for what is considered a treat. You know, you're buying a pizza. Yes. You should Buy now and pay now. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it is a treat, but it's also a meal. Right. And it's not like you can, well, you you, you should pay your bills, first of all. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, according to this, the pizzeria said, <laughs> this is great. Hell Pizzeria, remember. The pizzeria said 666 customers in New Zealand <laughs> and 666 customers in Australia will be chosen for the afterlife pay program, which will delay payments for pizza until the customer has shuffled off their mortal coil. Wow. It says, quote, those chosen will be invited to sign a real amendment to their wills, allowing the cost of their pizza to be collected upon their death. No interest or fees apply, and the agreement is legally binding. Interested customers can apply for the program on Hell's Pizza website. What brilliant that, marketing. That here is, we are, yep. Northwest Georgia, putting a spotlight on a pizzeria in New Zealand. New Zealand. That's awesome. <laughs> and that, it's very creative. That is pretty, pretty darn and cool. And, of course, I like the... 666 people are um, from each country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny with that. I um, got some stuff at Publix, it just water and, and, and like a, a soda, and it came out to six dollars and 66 cents. And I was like, oh, I maybe should buy something else. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I don't mind when it does. I actually think it's cool when it comes up with tax exactly even. Like they'll be like, that's 84. And they'll be all, and every time, every mm -hmm. single time the cashier, because usually they're younger, they go, wow, it's $84 and no pennies. Yeah, nice. <laughs> like that happens from time to time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, I've got another news. I found one. 
Another one. See, you gave me a, you gave me time. You started talking about bottled water and uh, yeah. and, uh, and some food at Publix, and here we are. A Kentucky man ran out of gas, and so he won a million dollars. Wait, what? Okay, <laughs> this good is for him. UPI. A Kentucky man said he won a one million dollars lottery <laughs> jackpot, thanks to what initially seemed like an unlucky event. He ran out of gas. Michael Sh- uh, Michael Schlemmer of Corbin, Kentucky, uh, told the Kentucky Lottery that he barely made it to the convenient food mart in Corbin. He said, I ran out of gas and was able to literally coast into the station. Oh, wow. He said, I had 40 bucks on me, so I bought $20 worth of gas and decided, well, while I'm here, I'm just going to buy a lottery ticket. Of course. Hey. He what bought a $20 one million dollar luck scratch off ticket. They'll pay wow. twenty bucks, win a million. Yeah. It's a good return on your yes, investment. Yes, it is. He said, I scratched it off and I looked at it and then I went back into the store. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if this says what I think it says. He goes, I showed the girls that sold it to me and they had a fit. The owners of the store were there and they both started grinning. The ticket was in fact a one million dollar top prize winner. Awesome. Well maybe he was feeling lucky since he was able to coast into the station. Yeah, coast right into the gas. Schlemmer said he will use some of his winnings to buy a new vehicle, and the rest will go and buy a new vehicle. (laughs) I'm going to get some more fuel efficient. Mm -hmm. And the rest goes into savings. He said, quote, I told the dealership I'm waiting for a big check to come in, and and, and then I hit that, he said. He got his big check. Yes, he did. I'll buy a car when when my ship rolls in. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, so that's it. Well, that's amazing, though. That's a cool story. Yes, it is. Those were some good news jogs. Our news jogs. Good news flashes. Yes, I, I like it, especially that pizza one. Uh, the pizza one, <laughs> and the senior prank. That was really good too. That that <laughs> caught my eye. I, I printed that one out. I had it on the screen. I meant to do the other ones that I that I was looking through, and thankfully I was able to kind of pull some up very quickly here. Mm-hmm. So we we're, we're still keeping the BK ship afloat. No, yes. I'm saying we're bailing as fast as it's coming in, but we're mm-hmm. we're still we're still <laughs> yep. floating. Yep. I mean, it wouldn't be his show without. Something yeah. going wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, Chiefy, the pump's in the locker there. Will you pump it out? Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, hey, uh, on that note, before we go to the break, because it's coming up, do you uh, follow the Jaws log on social media, on Facebook? No. There's a there's a social media co- group called the Jaws log. The Daily Jaws. Sorry, the Daily Jaws. Those guys are awesome. I actually follow their YouTube channel. Oh, really? They have a YouTube channel, and... Yes, the, some of the stuff they they come up with or, or do. There was this one with uh, it was Jaws, but it was if it was. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Uh, I, I okay know, swiper. Growing old <laughs> is awful because it was great and it, but it was it was really funny. Must have been. Must have left a lasting impression. No, <laughs> you know. When I was younger, I killed a lot of brain cells. Yep. <laughs> and now I'm really old. <laughs> well, you can't be really old. You're only a few more years older than me, and I know I'm not really old. My mother yesterday reminded me that I am five years away from 62. Five years away from 62. Yep. I'm here at Paul Masson Chateau in California. Almost every night here, there's a wine-tasting party. And one of the favorites is Paul Masson Chablis. It's light and crisp. It's delicious. The wine you drink the most should be the best. And they take special care with it here because they know Chablis is America's most popular wine. Parmesan Chablis. I recommend it. Parmesan will sell no wine before it's time.
Wake up, Keith. We've got to leave in 15 minutes. Oh, we've got Shirley fixing breakfast. Wake up, Keith. Wake up, Keith. Keith is turning over. Wants to sleep. Wants to sleep. This always works. Kellogg's Rice Krispies. Hear the roar. Let him pull. I think I'm waking up. We've got sleepy Keith Partridge. Wake it up. Wake it up. Snap, crackle, pop. Wake it up. Wake, wake up, up like me. Wake up with Kellogg's Rice Krispies. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Welcome back, everyone, to BK on the Air. Alan Sanders filling in for the vacationing BK. Mike Clark in here joining me, a little realm of nostalgic geekiness. I remember when this song, Abracadabra, was the big hit while I was in elementary school. I remember when it was a, a hit, and I also remember... MTV played the video all the time. Well, they only had a handful when they well, first I launched. Know. Well, exactly. But... You were there for the great launch of the M Television Network. <laughs> yep, I remember when it wasn't in every household. It yep. was certain ones. I and you so... would go to your friend's house that had it just to watch it. Yes, I was so jealous. My buddy, his dad embraced cable. My dad said it was a fad and he wasn't about to pay for something he can get for free. Yep, mm-hmm. my dad was the same like, way. Like, you can get MTV for free? He goes, no. Like, well, then obviously there must be a difference. Yep. <laughs> Back oh, when well. it played music. Back, yes. I don't even know. Does it play music anytime? Wait, they did another channel. It's like MTV Classic. <laughs> I know. We're we're classic. We're... Uh... I don't like... Okay, so this is sad. I just had this pop, pop in my head because you used the word classic, and I know classic rock is now what I considered my rock growing up. So well, don't yeah. call it classic. Classic was like stuff from the 60s and the 70s. Exactly. Now suddenly the 80s and early 90s is being rolled into classic rock mm. radio. Yep. I just realized I, my kids, they're out. My two oldest are out of college. I said my youngest is still in college and my two oldest have been out for a while. They got back into playing World of Warcraft. And I'm like, Dad, remember we used to play World of Warcraft all the time? We want you to get back into it. Please get into it. We're, gonna, we're doing the classic Wrath of Lich King server. Oh. Uh. Like I remember Classic. when that was the third expansion pack. It was the, and it still is the best of all of them. I was like, God, I played World of Warcraft forever. I really did. I played that forever. And now my kids are like, let's play Classic. For them, it's throwback. For me, yep. it's like it truly is throwback. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like I, I feel said. Comfortable here. Yeah, I said earlier, it's like you you know you're getting old when TV Land starts playing things like. Cheers and hey, bosom buddies, <laughs> and you know, and 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 these shows that you're like, wait, no, classic shows are like uh, the the secret loves of Dobie Gillis. It's you know, that's not classic. That's I I grew up with that, right? And then I realize I grew up, and time <laughs> marches on. Time continues to roll. It mm-hmm. does. It does continue. No matter what we do, we cannot stop it. Uh, in fact, um, what what's hard is when some of our icons and some of the voices and some of the actors from our childhood who were older than us when we discovered them and followed yep. them and liked them, well, sometimes they shuffle off that mortal coil while we're still here. Now, we've had these conversations many times over the years when certain actors or certain musicians seem to have a more impact when they pass than others. Right, yes. Like, I'm not of the delusion that when a singer or actor dies that somehow my life is over. Well, yeah, no, exactly. And I don't have any delusion that they even know who I am. 
Exactly. <laughs> but there are certain people, like for me, when Neil Peart, the drummer of Rush, died, I'm like, there will never be another yep. Rush album. There will never mm-hmm. be another Rush concert. I will never right. again. He's gone. Yep. And that was like my second all-time favorite band, it, mm-hmm. with, without it's, a doubt. It's my favorite. I love Rush. And when I say second, it's like... There's a hair that separates Pink Floyd and Rush for me. Ah, okay, yeah. Which is kind of ironic. I think Pink Floyd is probably the better band in terms of their scope of music, but I listen to Rush more. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's why I'm like, I don't know who's my favorite. Because like lyrically, I'd be like, wow, Pink Floyd did a lot of really cool stuff. But I'm like, lyrically and musically, three guys did a lot of great music. Yes, they did. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when he died, I was like, oh. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I agree. For me, one of the biggest ones was when uh, Leonard Nimoy died. Because, yeah. you know, I grew up with Star Trek, and th- the reason they impact us is because they feel like they're part of our family. Mm-hmm. You know, we follow them. And like you just played, Tina Turner was a big, in, uh, you know, had a huge impact on my childhood and growing up and music. I only knew a little bit of her old stuff when it was her and Ike, and I only realized what a horrible start to life and the abuse and the. Oh, yeah. You just like, oh my God, how do you recover from what mm-hmm. he put her through? And then I only knew her of the 80s icon, like this oh, rock yeah. and roll mm-hmm. with the soulful voice, and that even, even my wife said this. Like, so this is not sexist. My wife was like, and her legs, like mm-hmm. that's like she was insured. Her legs were insured oh, because yeah. that was iconic yep. Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. And to watch her move and stuff, and like wearing high heels. Have you ever seen the um, what is it? Big Will keep on turning. Proud, oh, Ma- um, Proud Mary. Proud Mary. Um, the video for that. It's it's, like, it's how amazing. Can you function. Yeah, exactly. How are you doing all this stuff? If you guys missed it, and the reason we're talking this, it, d- Tina Turner passed away this week at the age of 83. So yes. she lived a pretty good life. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. It never feels long enough when you get there. Exactly. <laughs> um, so let me get this story to you. I'm going to go to The Guardian. I, w- I want to see what the UK thinks about an American rock icon. Okay. Because I always like getting a different perspective. And, yes. and she is, uh, I, and there's no arguing, she is a rock icon. Oh, yes. Very much you know? so. Yeah, she did other forms of music, mm-hmm. but... She was into rock, and her uh-huh. rock beats, rock rhythm, pop rock, she was... Man, I love Tina Turner. Was, and she was in Mad Max Mad Beyond... Mad Max 3. <laughs> yep, Beyond Thunderdome. Yes, she was, wearing a uh, chain mail bodice. Uh, yep, mm-hmm. which weighed a lot, according to her. She said it hurt after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Tina Turner, who initially found fame in a turbulent musical partnership, became one of the biggest acts in the world as a solo artist and one of the most defining pop icons of the 80s. Yep. That's just how the story starts from mm-hmm. The Guardian. Tina Turner, the pioneering rock and and they, they recognize rock and roll star who became a pop behemoth in the 80s, died at the age of 83 after a long illness. She had suffered from ill health in recent years, being diagnosed with intestinal cancer in 2016 <sighs> and then having a kidney transplant in 2017. Tina affirmed and amplified black women's formative stake in rock and roll, defining that era of music to the extent that Mick Jagger admitted to taking inspiration from her high-kicking, energetic live performances for his own stage persona. And she was, like you just Mm -hmm. mentioned. If you've never seen live video of her performing, you want to talk about giving your all every concert. Oh, yeah. Before the Madonnas, before the synchronized dance routines, which, by the way, every bit is talented. Someone had to come up with it. Tina Turner was at the forefront of the yep. energetic stage show while singing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, watch the video for Proud Mary. 
<laughs> it is amazing. It's, what a great song. Starts off so slow and yep. soulful. Mm-hmm. You think there, how is this a rock song? Yeah, let it let it play to the yep. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, According to this, after two decades of working with her abusive husband, Ike Turner, she struck out alone and after a few false starts became one of the defining pop icons of the 80s with the album Private Dancer. Yep. What a great album. Oh, yeah. Her life was chronicled in three memoirs, a biopic, a jukebox musical, and in 2021, the acclaimed documentary film Tina, which I have not seen yet. I have not seen it yet either, but I am going to. I, after her passing, it's definitely gone up on my to-watch list. Mm-hmm. In a statement this past Wednesday night, her publicist, Bernard Doherty, said, quote, Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll, and I will not say that that is a wrong, f- she no. earns that yes, title. She, she is does. the queen of rock and roll. Died peacefully today. Who oh, about Janis Joplin? Oh, shut up, Janis Joplin. Yeah. <laughs> you lived five years and you had two, yeah, like two good songs and screamed a lot. Okay. Yeah. I get you are a pioneer, Tina Turner, much more influential. Yes. She's the rock and roll queen, died peacefully today at the age of 83 after a long illness in her home in Kunsacht near Zurich, Switzerland. With her, and the world lo- oh, sorry, with her, the world loses a music legend and a role model. That was the yes. statement. Mm-hmm. I love, I both love and kind of like, a, eh. You know, they came after her for a lot of money. Like, hey, Tina, you're really successful. Yep. You're not getting taxed enough. We ought to just, and she's like, I'm moving to Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize she lived in Switzerland. She renounced her U.S. Yeah. citizenship because they wanted to come after her for money. And well, she's like, you know what? You get to that point where when you don't have a lot and you've worked really hard, you yep. kind of want to keep it. Exactly. <laughs> you do want to keep it. You know, it's not somebody else's. It's mine. I'll, I want to choose what I do with it. So anyway, mm. she uh, did renounce her U.S. citizenship solely to you know keep her own money. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 2018, according to this, scholar Daphne A. Brooks wrote for The Guardian, quote, Turner's musical character has always been a charged combination of mystery as well as light, melancholy mixed with a ferocious vitality that often flirted with danger. That's that's a nice phrase. That is nice. Yeah, that's great. That that is a perfect way to describe her. Good writing. Mm-hmm. Turner was born. I didn't know this. Anna Mae Bullock, like I, Sandra Bullock. I guess it's mm-hmm. Bullock. Yep. But B U L L O C K. Anna May. <laughs> Anna May. Uh, according to this, it said uh, she was born. On the 26th of November, 1939, raised in Nutbush, Tennessee, mm-hmm. where, and that sounds like a Tennessee town, before <laughs> there became this style of artwork that we're kind of playing with, it's yeah. literally Anna M-A-E, spelled even M-A-E, mm-hmm. Anna May, <laughs> and you know it wasn't just Anna. <laughs> Got like more syllables than you actually see in the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to this, uh, she recalled picking cotton with her family as a child. She sang in the tiny town's church choir, mm-hmm. and as a teenager, talked or rather sang her way into Ike's band in St. Louis. He had declined her request to join until he heard her seize the microphone during a Kings of Rhythm performance for a rendition of B.B. King's You Know I Love You. Mm-hmm. After her vocal talents became apparent, Ike gave her the name Tina Turner and trademarked it in case she left him and he wanted to replace her in his act. Wow. That should have been a sign. Right, that, that was, yes. That's what we call a red flag. Yes. He quickly became abusive when Turner tried to leave the group early on after having gotten a sense of her mercurial, mercurial character. He hit her with a wooden shoe stretcher. Ugh. We're going to continue the story because I do want to go into a little bit more Tina Turner after the top of the hour. Unfortunately, we are at the top of the hour. Yes. We leave hour one done and in the books. Ugh. 
amazing how fast they go by. Folks, don't go anywhere. We'll give you a little bit more of Tina Turner. We'll talk about our some of maybe our favorite songs, recollections, and we'll continue on. There's more to go. We've got a whole hour, so don't go anywhere. You are tuned into your realm of nostalgic geekiness known as BK on the Air. I'm Alan Sanders filling in. It's Movie Trailer Theater. It's Movie Trailer Theater. Lights, camera, action! Mel Gibson is Mad Max. These are the children who worship him. Who do you think I am? He is their only hope in a world where she is the only power. Bring him back to me! Alive! Mel Gibson, Tina Turner, in the greatest Mad Max adventure of all. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, July 10th, at a theater near you. This temple crew has a plan, and they begin by digging into those two scoops. In every Kellogg's pack, two scoops. I'll keep them coming back for two scoops of plump, juicy raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Hooked up and in command, they're working now, but they're thinking how they lost two scoops. And Golden Flakes are bland, two scoops. They're turning back again for two scoops of plump, juicy raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Two scoops. Well. Ain't we a pair? Raggedy man. <laughs> Goodbye, soldier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel when BK sends me a message. Hey, can you uh can you do the show for me? Yes. Sure. <laughs> Not a problem, sir. I mean <clears throat> would love to. <laughs> it would be my pleasure. Alan Sanders here, filling in for the vacationing BK. We've got Mike Clark in here. Mm-hmm. The uh, he's taking he's taking my part because I'm taking BK's part. See, this is how this is called field promotion. Yes, <laughs> the general's mm-hmm. gone. Now I'm the general, and you're the second in command. Yes, and then next week we all get reverted back to our original <laughs> ranks. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be a commander again. Oh, all right. Well, let's do this. He is. He is. Thankfully, I didn't have to prep this. BK is so diligent because mm-hmm. you know he has. You know, a little bit of control issue. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, yeah. Just a little, a, just a little hey, bit. Not really worth mentioning. No. Uh, he came up with <laughs> on this day. And I actually, no, seriously, I appreciate it because uh, I don't have the same resources that he goes to for all this. I would have spent a lot of time trying to find on this day. Mm-hmm. And he actually did it for me. So it is the May the 27th. And so let us look at on this day, things that go along with the BK kind of show. 1930. Richard Drew invents masking tape back okay. in 1930. Oh, okay. I, I had no idea it was that old. Me neither. Um, how ironic is this? How many times have we mentioned between the end of my show prior to BK and the start of BK, Dunkirk? How many times uh, have we mentioned uh, it? Uh, quite a few. 1940. On this day, British and Allied forces begin the evacuation of Dunkirk, World War II. Wow. Talk about serendipity. Yeah. I had no clue until just this second that we happened to bring up Chris Nolan's movie, Dunkirk, which is brilliant, by the way, if you've not mm-hmm. seen it. It's very good. Um, and it, today was the day that they began the evacuation of the troops that were trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Today, 1961, the first blacklight is sold, followed by many of the Groove posters. Oh, yeah. 
remember seeing those in Spencer's when I was a kid. (laughs) I remember I didn't get my first blacklight until like the early 90s. I also got my first lava lamp in the early 90s when they were doing some throwbacks. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I never had one when I was a kid. No, me neither. 1969. Okay. Year before I was born, Walt Disney World begins construction at Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Just began construction. 69. I was three years old. Mm, I was not yet born. 1995. Oh, actor Christopher Reeve is paralyzed from the neck down after oh. falling from his horse in a riding competition in Culpeper, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, talk about a sad story. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh, no. I will tell you, and he was not expected to live, and he battled. and, and Yes. I mean, he, talk about Superman in real life. He mm-hmm. managed to pull that off for a good oh, number yeah. of years before uh, succumbing. Yep. Uh, 2022. That's a pretty new year. That's just last yeah, year. last year. Uh, on this day, May the 27th, Top Gun Maverick, the sequel starring Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, and Jennifer Connelly, is released 36 years after the original. Wow. And went on to be a tremendous hit. Did you see it? I did not. Fantastic. Not, not yet. Fantastic. I was like... <laughs> Because I don't like Top Gun anymore. Top Gun was a movie left in my childhood. I should have just left it there. I, I went and rewatched it. I'm like, okay, I get why it was big when it came out. Eh, right. I don't know why it's big now. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. So I, and maybe that helped. I like having zero expectations. So I'm like, okay, we'll go see Top Gun Maverick. In, even the first opening five minutes, I'm like on the edge of my seat going, oh my God, this, this is amazing. This, I'm holding my breath. <laughs> Wow. Ridiculously good. Okay. Just a ridiculously good movie. Fun movie. Talk about no woke messaging. Mm-hmm. Check out Tom, Tom Cruise. Okay, Tom Cruise, cool. Top Gun Maverick. None. Zero wokeness well, at all. Well, yeah, and that's why you saw these, well, videos, if you do YouTube, on why the woke people hated it. Yeah. It made <laughs> over $700 million. Mm-hmm. Not bad. I think it was the biggest movie and Save Paramount there was close to starting to look at bankruptcy. Man, I did not know that. Tom Cruise. What, was it the highest I think it's movie the highest grossing movie in the history of Paramount. Oh, really? Yeah. Tom, wow. Tom Cruise can right now say, Paramount, write me a check. Exactly. <laughs> I mm-hmm. want to do another movie. We don't care what it's about, Tom, as long as you're doing it for us. Exactly. Uh, birthdays. Ooh, how about a voice act that is so hard to anyone to ever imitate? We talked about this with BK on the air. Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. American actor, House on Haunted Hill, The Fly, born in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, died 1993. Ah, what a great, what a great voice. And what a great sense of humor. I didn't realize all the behind the scenes. Just Mm -hmm. what a... I shouldn't say this, but wicked sense of humor. It was. (laughs) Very much so. Uh, Christopher Lee, English actor, played Dracula, obviously Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, some of the franchises, was born in London, died on this day. I'm sorry, was born on this day, uh, died in 2015. So he's only recently departed us. Yep. Man, he's such a good actor. Just amazing. He was in everything. Another, I mean, all those Hammer films Mm -hmm. and him and uh, Peter Cushing were a great team. But I was I was very sad when he passed. Though, was one of the last things he did his rock and roll album? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I remember that I was like, "Oh, Mr. Lee, you could do anything." You know what's funny? It's not. It's not. This isn't funny. Everybody knows. I think Lord of the Rings is one of the greatest movies because it's three parts of one movie. I had forgotten Christopher Lee at one point in time was with the. Um, well, he was like the Secret Service of the British during World War Two. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 he was he was a James Bond before there was a James Bond. 
See, I didn't for, know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So this is the funny thing. It's a Makes great cooler. story. It's a great story Peter Jackson tells because there's a scene in Lord of the Rings where he is stabbed from behind with a knife, with a character he plays, right. Saruman. Mm-hmm. And so Peter Jackson's like, okay, you're not expecting this. And so the guy comes up behind you and he plunges the knife and I want to hear a, ah, 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 and he goes, <laughs> not to, not to question you. <laughs> yep. But speaking from experience, that's not what men do when you stab them. And Peter Jackson was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and then someone said, yeah, he actually served in the uh, British Special Forces. He was actually <laughs> like like the MI6 before it was MI6. <laughs> and Peter was like, so what would they do? He goes, let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch, he just has a bit of a gasp because he goes, and he literally said later when he was telling the story, uh, Christopher Lee said, Men aren't expecting to be stabbed. They don't know to right. scream. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you, they can't. They're just surprised. It's just, <gasps> mm-hmm. And then their lungs no longer work. <laughs> See, that just makes him cooler. Doesn't it? Oh, and by the way, great Christopher Lee movie, Wick, uh, Wicker Man. Wicker the, Man. The original, and it's awesome. You don't like the remake? <laughs> Not the bees! Not the bees! <laughs> okay, very quickly, some other birthdays we'll get in before we wrap up out of time. We've got Louis Gossett Jr., Todd Bridges, and Joseph Fiennes. So, Joseph Fiennes, as well as Paul Bettany, English actor, played Jarvis in Iron Man, as well as Vision. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Jarvis, a virtual artificial intelligence, and I'm here to assist you with a variety of tasks as best I can. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Importing all preferences from home interface. Systems are now fully operational. And now, these messages. Secret Agent Sugar Bear, beware! (laughs) The wheat freak is after our super sugar crisp. Roger, kids. He wants my wheat cereal. It's part of this nutritious breakfast. Super Sugar Crisp! Going somewhere, Wheat Freak? Yeah, Sugar Bear! Gonna scoop up your Super Sugar Crisp in my rocket scooper! Springtime! Looks like I've got my Super Sugar Crisp, and you're all washed up! It's Big Track, the computer-activated tracker and the automatic transporter. Your child sends Big Track off on a mission by programming in up to 16 commands. Like fire three laser blasts. Big Track stores your child's commands to get out of a tricky spot. To complete the mission, Big Track rolls in, drops the payload, then heads for home base in another assignment. Big Track for your child from MB Electronics. Transporter sold separately. Welcome back, everyone. BK on the air. Alan Sanders along with Mike Clark filling in for the vacationing BK. I did tell you, and I haven't forgotten, I just knew whenever we come back, top of the hour, second hour, we do the on this day. But I did want to recircle back around to Tina Turner. And you and I were talking, Mike, about the impact, the effect, the, the memories we have whenever we discovered the queen of rock, Tina Turner. Yep. Um, as a performer, as an artist, as technically a model, I mean, she did. Yes. Uh, she was the 
uh, was it a cover girl for a while? She was a cover girl spokesperson. I think so. Um, just amazing. Just an amazing actor. Yeah. She did one thing. <laughs> Still was an actor. Oh, yeah. Wasn't great as an actress, but you know what? It was Tina Turner. It was. was. And and she was cool in it. It was awesome. For a singer, she was an okay actor. Congratulations. You're the first to survive the audition. (laughs) She did a good job. Well, and that Thunderdome is not the greatest Mad Max movie. No, you know what, though? I have a little more appreciation, if only for one thing. And I was reading um, the, the... I guess it was behind the scenes of how they approached the... the they, didn't, they didn't even start off to write a script for Mad Max 3. Really? Like, it literally wasn't supposed to be Mad Max 3. So, and why is the director's head out of my head right now? The director of Mad Max. Oh, yeah. Frank, long pause. Be, be, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we both have forgotten. Uh, he, he even directed Fury Road. Right, uh, of uh, course. Say it! And BK's yelling at the radio again. No, George Miller. George, George Miller. Miller. <laughs> I, he said, because during that time, there were some things going on personally in his life, and he said, I was drawn to a retelling of Lord of the Flies. I just felt like I wanted to do my own version of Lord of the Flies. Okay. And he said, I couldn't figure out how to make it work, because everything had already kind of been done in other versions. Right. He's like, how do I make... He literally said, it never even occurred to me to set it into the Mad Max world until his business partner, who was dying of cancer, I guess, at that time, oh. suggested to him, why not set it in Mad Max. Children have to start over somewhere. What happens about the children in this post-apocalyptic world? So that's why he came up with it and during the filming, his partner, I guess, died and oh. it seems like there was a little bit of disconnection with the filming and the movie and everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's definitely the the weakest of the Mad Max movies, yeah, but it's worth I, watching. Well, it suffers from third movie syndrome. A I mean, bit. a lot of, lot of trilogies Mm-hmm. Do that. Of course, now it's not a trilogy. No. Because Fury, Fury, uh, Fury Road, I can talk. If if you haven't seen it, see it. It is a really, really good movie. The year Fury... I, I try to figure out, you know, everybody's like, what's the movie, best movie that came out this year? Well, of the movies I saw of that year, yep. Fury Road was the best film to hit the theaters. It, without a doubt. It was... Because it was more than an action movie. It was more yes. than just spectacle. The underlying story, the message, the the, the, the mm-hmm. characters, the characterizations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal movie. And I said it to somebody. We were doing a podcast. I was, I was, I was in one of those movies by minutes. You're familiar with that yes. format. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you realize that, all, that, that Fury Road can be broken down into two parts? The first half of that movie is a chase. Yes. Right? You're mm-hmm. being chased. You're trying to escape. The other half is a race. Who's going to get back first? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, it's just, and it works. And, and you think, well, how can you tell a movie around that? The levels and layers about what is going on in this new world that had to be reborn from the ashes of whatever apocalypse. Yep. It's stunning. And Tom mm-hmm. Hardy was fabulous as Max. He was. I mean, he didn't say much, but he was really good. Well, Max shouldn't say much. He had, what, 16 total lines? I think something like that. And he was, what, captured most of the time. Yeah. And um, Sherry's Theron's character, uh, Fur- Furiosa? Yeah, Furiosa. Furiosa was awesome. And so they talk about good. a solo movie with her. I'm like, please, please they're, do. They're doing the, the, according to George Miller now, now yep. he's older. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. They are going to do the Furiosa, Furiosa story, but they're going to start with her as young. Okay. And so we're going to get a young Furiosa, and I think uh, Thor's playing in it. But it's not obviously Mad Max. It's somebody else. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got to have a marquee name, right? Well, yeah, you have to. <laughs> but uh, well, maybe, I forgot. Maybe. Isn't it 
Is it Bobby, Millie Bobby Brown that's playing the young? Someone I oh, forgot. Someone who's like really a hot young actress. Well, if if it's her, that's awesome because she's she's, she's young, amazing. She's <laughs> awesome. Have you seen the two Sherlock Holmes that she did, or she plays? Oh, uh, the, she doesn't play. Well, it's not. She's not Sherlock Holmes. She's the sister of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I um, I have not seen the series. There's I've two, seen there's some. Two movie, they're, they're movies. So well, they're, okay. Because there was a series. series. Maybe there's. Hold on, there's series. You're right. I've seen seasons one and two. They're fantastic. Okay. I mean, I've I've She's seen awesome. parts of of season one, and you're right. But she, as an act, she is awesome. Mm-hmm. And starting out so young, it's great. Of course. She's growing up and mm-hmm. looking better and better. Hey, stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a this is a family show. Stop it! Uh-huh. Oh no, I got it wrong. It's Aunt, it's Anya Taylor Joy from The Queen's Gambit, who's going to be playing oh, Young Furiosa. Okay, and she's awesome. Yes, too. she was, and that was a great movie. Oh, that series was fantastic. That limited series—that's what they call it now, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, we were starting off with Tina Turner. I didn't lose track, folks. This is just how our rabbit rabbit trail, squirrel-minded yep. brains Girl. work. Uh, we talked about being an actress. We talked about the movies. Uh, if, if you had to pick, is there a song of all the songs that you like? When you think of Tina Turner, this is the first song that pops in your head? I, You know, I'm, I try and I'm like, well, I love her rendition of Proud Mary. I like, I love Private Dancer. I like What's Love Got to Do With It. It's very hard mm-hmm. to pick a song. I think it is, though, it's um, Proud Mary. Proud I really Mary. do. Mm-hmm. Though I know... She, she had the the comeback. Well, don't call it a comeback. In the '80s, and had all those fantastic songs, yeah. and was Private great. Dancer was one of the greatest selling albums, and one mm-hmm. of the just it was amazing. It was a great album. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did like uh, "We Don't Need Another Hero," her yeah. song that she wrote for Mad Max Three. Yeah, no, that was a good one too. It's, it's such a good song. Mm-hmm. Private Dancer, which we played earlier, is always just iconic Tina Turner to me. Mm-hmm. But I do think uh, "Private Dancer" may be my favorite. I think because mm-hmm. it's not super slow. But it also has a very melancholy, almost a, a yeah, sad story underneath. Well, watch the video. It it is sad. Yeah. It's <laughs> and that I and you have to wonder how much of her earlier abuse mm-hmm. and the kind of relationship she was dealing with and oh, the yeah. kinds of things she was witnessing in Hollywood and mm-hmm. witnessing right. coming up in a poor town in Tennessee and the things mm-hmm. that she saw. How much of that just fuels that sort of underneath? maelstrom that we hear that she has you know so much of that tension and you see the dark and the light at the same time right no it's great just a great a very very layered song mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fact that she could bring the kind of energy she brought to the stage too these kinds of songs just mm-hmm. phenomenal and uh I, I will say you know legs like you oh, can't imagine yes. just a <laughs> brilliant brilliant singer brilliant, oh yes brilliant songwriter performer entertainer and yeah, we'll, we'll be missed. Oh, we'll yes. Missed. We'll be missed. Um, in fact, I didn't play it yet. I've been wanting to just dig out. And now that I've got a, a smart speaker, it's amazing. I haven't bought an album, like tangible, hold in your hand, any form of music in probably 10 years. Really? Because everything I was either streaming through mm-hmm. through Spotify or through um, uh, Pandora or now that we've got smart speakers, my wife and I just uh, you know we just pay the extra five dollars a month to have access to the entire Amazon catalog. There has been nothing yet that I can't say Amazon or um, Alexa play this or play that. I'll just sit there. I'll be at dinner like Alexa play the album blah 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 and they'll play the whole album. Really? I just digital music library at my fingertips. Now, I feel like I'm on the Starship Enterprise computer. Yes, <laughs> I haven't bought. I still like physical media. I'm an old man. And 
Um, I like I like libraries. I love seeing that stuff on the shelf. But anyway, I don't think I've bought a new album since God. I don't remember. It, it probably was a soundtrack, <laughs> but it, it, something like that. Um, actually, I think it was uh, Rogue One's soundtrack. Oh, or it could have been Solo. But but, but anyway, <laughs> I I pick them up at thrift stores. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll find, you know, I'll be like, oh, I don't have this one. That's kind of cool. I, the only thing that my wife and I still do tangibly, like the like in your hands, are books. We still like yeah. the feel, mm-hmm. the touch, the take it with you. Now, my wife has a Kindle reader because when we go to the beach, it's nice to be able to have 500 books that you can pick anyone to read it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to carry those all with you. Yeah, I understand but, that. Um, our library continues to grow every year we're, we're we're members of the nonprofit friends of the library okay we donate to them every year nice that gets us by that donation in early invite to four times a year they have a book sale and you'll pick up Ooh. hardbacks for anywhere from one to five dollars nice so when you get a hardback that normally is sold for 30 for a buck yeah i find that a good day i think that's a good day and that's li- a good deal it's a good deal and the <laughs> library continues to build and it's something that is a legacy that we can pass down our kids have grown up and I think that's the, one of the best things we ever did as parents. A little side note from our BK talk. Uh, now that my kids are older, they're adults, and we can have adult conversations looking back, they love the fact that on the shelves they saw books, they saw us read, and right. they have a passion for reading. And I think that's why they are able to be successful because reading is such a skill you need for your entirety of your life. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So we're very, very happy looking back. And when they say to us, like, we just love reading because we saw you reading. We just didn't think there was an option not to read. We just thought that's what you do. <laughs> I mean, because they're kids. What are they else? Well, well yeah, looking exactly. looking at you for an example. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I also mentioned, uh, I was talking about this last night on a different show. My kids, when we come back and we have these, like, big gatherings, whether it's a dinner night or we're having a holiday, I never hear them talk about the expensive gift they got at one Christmas or the new jeans they wanted or that shirt or jacket it's always about the memories they always bring up the things we did yeah exactly so folks just take it for someone who's a little older (laughs) making the memories are the things that are going to be more substantial when you get older not the things you bought or the things you thought you didn't buy don't worry about what people are showing on social media spend time with your kids yes they will remember it and you'll get those stories back later when they grow up Mm -hmm. you're listening to bk on the air i didn't get a harumph out of that guy give the governor harumph We'll return after these messages. For old-fashioned candy store goodness, nothing else to do. Like old-fashioned candy store candy, the kind Brock's makes for you. Brock's knows the secret of old-fashioned candy store candy. So Brock's uses fresh-tasting ingredients and good flavors, like pure butter in Brock's butterscotch discs. Mmm, what an old-fashioned treat. Old-fashioned candy store candy, the kind Brock's makes for you. Presenting the Clapper. Let your appliances turn on and off just by clapping. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. The Clapper. Nutty gritty, nutty gritty, it's a snack you can munch. Nutty gritty, nutty gritty, a healthy snack you can crunch. You take a, a bunch of nuts, any kind will do. Throw in a bunch of raisins too, then invite a bunch of nuts to share with you your nutty gritty, nutty gritty. Do something good for your bod and brush your teeth after snacks. 
Join the Bad Squad. Join the Bad Squad. We now return to our program. When it comes to shows about movies and comic books, heroes and crazy news, I tune into BK on the air from 10 to noon, Saturdays. Yes, it's BK on the air. That's the name of the show. I am not BK. This is Alan Sanders filling in for the aforementioned BK. Joining me is Mike Clark as we're having some fun with nostalgic geekiness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Always a lot of fun. <laughs> Perfect for radio. Have you heard, I'm sure you have, are you a fan of the Harry Potter series? It's okay to say no. You can be wrong. No. <laughs> you can be wrong. It's all right. We all have it, it's, right? It's one of those, I'm, oh, going to get hate mail now. <laughs> Harry Potter. Maybe I, I, one of the other great iconic... Uh, well, put this way, I would hope you can understand and appreciate how hard it was and that there are very few franchises that will ever be able to say the actors who started it lasted eight films save for one who died right but they literally kept the entire cast and while we watched the kids grow up in the book we watched the exact same actors grow up on screen oh yes think about that a lot of times you can be a cute little kid and you can Mm -hmm. do your cute little kid lines really well doesn't mean you're going to be a good actor when you become older and you do heavier darker things that's true and the fact that they all could Mm mm-hmm Phenomenal. Of course, By they the were way, surrounded with some pretty good British actors. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that may have helped. But um, did you see the Weird Al movie that he I did? Yeah, but I, I the, oh, the trailer looked incredible. It, it is amazing. It is just great. I think it came out, but I had to rent it or pay for it when it first dropped. So now I got. Yeah. I'm tra- I have, I have this thing. This is that, you know, talk about sometimes you have these like little weird peculiarities. Mm-hmm. My weird peculiarity is I'm already paying for a streaming service. I don't right. want to have to then rent then a movie on top of that. I agree with you. I wait till they're wait free. Till it's free. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, My mother wanted to see 80 for Brady. And when she first asked, it cost money. Mm-hmm. So I was like, just wait. It will be free. She got to watch it yesterday because it was free. And she loved it. Well, if you know anything, have you seen the Harry Potter movies at least? No. You're aware of I. Well, then how do you know you don't like them? I tried to watch the first one. And didn't like it. You do understand uh, the, it's a kid's movie, right? Well, I do. Okay. It, so and you it's put fantasy. Yourself in the mind of a kid. I, I, yeah, I couldn't. You like Willow, right? You know, okay. Willow is funny. <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw Willow, I was in a bad mood, really bad mood. So I hated it. Didn't like it. No, and I was just like, well, it was another one of those. It's just a Star Wars remake. I mean, everything is is the same characters as Star Wars. Yeah. Years later, I I watched it again, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. I like this movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the show that they just tried to make based on it because it wasn't based on it. They changed so much. And, um, well, you said it earlier off air, I think. Warwick Davis was like the best actor in the like, thing this guy knows how to act exactly everyone else didn't <laughs> no and just some of and the on, things they did and on top of that okay i get you're trying to be young and hip for a younger hipper audience right but if you're gonna have a fantasy setting you're not gonna use things like dude exactly stop putting modern vernacular in a fantasy mm-hmm. setting it doesn't work nope. nothing nothing worked and nothing worked in that at no. most the the guy that they had along with them the uh, the Middle Eastern accented guy that was the prisoner that was on oh he yeah. was actually had a pretty good he was funny he had right. a pretty good delivery I think he thought as an actor 
I'm surrounded by a bunch of morons, but I'm getting paid. So let's just do yep, this. Let me do this. I'll slog through it. It's terrible. It was. And now they've pulled it off Disney Plus or they're going to. Oh, it's done. They, are, they, are, they already said there is no season two. It's, it's oh, yeah. Done. It got canceled. But um, the fact that it's getting uh, removed, a lot of shows are getting removed from Disney Plus so they can save some money. Uh, people are very upset. And you know what kind of people. It was bad. And, and they're, they're thinking it got pulled for the wrong reason. Nothing to do with a, a female-female relationship. Right. None. Zero. Zero. It had everything to do with it was a terribly written, terribly executed, poorly handled move show. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're going to pull it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, you, you can lead a horse to water. Uh-huh. Can't, can't make a drink. Oh, Let's yeah. get back to Harry Potter because I've got a story here that oh, yeah, BK sure. provided. Um, you know, in the, in the story, you get mm-hmm. your Hogwarts letter when you get to go to right. Hogwarts, mm-hmm. right? It gets sent to yeah, you now. Yes, I know okay, that. You're aware of that at least. Okay. I am. Well, it's it was everywhere when it was coming out, so I know a lot of the stuff that went on. If you saw, depending how much you saw the first mm-hmm. movie, you know that there was a scene where the Dursleys keep trying to tear up all of the letters, and eventually there is a scene where thousands and thousands and thousands of letters come flooding in that to, mm-hmm. because they want it to get it to Harry Potter, and his uncle won't let him get the letter because right. his uncle doesn't believe in wizards and witches, mm-hmm. and you're not going yeah. to go to some silly school. Right. Well, that scene, they had to print hundreds and hundreds or thousands of letters. According to a story here from Fox Business, Hogwarts' acceptance letter from the first Harry Potter movie could be yours. And here's how. Oh, really? According to this, major Harry Potter fans have a chance to own a small but significant piece of the iconic book and film series. An acceptance letter to Hogwarts used in the first Harry Potter movie, is going up for auction. See, that's awesome. The prop was one of the hundreds that flew down the chimney in the first movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, also referred to as Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in the UK. Mm -hmm. The scene from the movie focuses on Harry Potter's 11th birthday when letters arrive to his home inviting Potter to attend Hogwarts. One of the iconic iconic letters is expected to be sold for at least $10,000 in a Chiswick auction. Oh, it'll probably go for more yeah. than that. Along with the letter, a real and unbroken wax Hogwarts seal on an unopened envelope will also be included from the set prop. That's see, Isn't that neat? That is awesome. Owning props from a movie is great. Yeah, this it, isn't like a reproduction. This no. was used yes, on the set. Screen used. Uh, Chiswick Auctions specialist Valentina Borgi told SWNS, which I guess is the name of the news entity here, that these types of items do not come on the market often, and she noted that this is a unique find. Quote, as a general rule, the props used in the eight films have tended to stay with the studios. The letter comes with an additional letter confirming the authenticity of the prop and a photocopy of the letter. The letter was donated by a producer and partner of 1492 Pictures, and the proceeds will be donated to charity. Nice. That's great. So I like it. So you'll get Mm -hmm. a... So you can keep it pristine. You'll get a copy so you can say, here's what it says inside. Yep. So you don't mm-hmm. have to put your grubby hands on it. Yep. Don't um, have to break that seal. And you're going to get the envelope that has the wax seal that it would have come in. So that's kind of a neat little package put together. Yeah, that is. And so there you go. If you're, if you're a fan of Harry Potter, you could win maybe a little piece of that franchise. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is something my wife and I will binge at least once a year. We will watch oh, yeah. all of the Harry Potter films back to back to back. 
I love them. I, I've I've always been captivated ever since the first one, even knowing it was sort of a kid's movie. It's got that Christopher Columbus feel as the director behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's got the John Williams score, which is well, the, fa- fabulous. This- All of the scores created by this guy that you know uniquely, the character that goes with the music when you hear it. Play. Oh, yeah. Everybody has a theme, or at least most people have a theme when he, when he composes. It's amazing. And, and it is. If you haven't gotten the score to the third, I still think in terms of story, the third Harry Potter is probably my all-time favorite. It has the time turner or the dial of destiny. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. It has the time turner. (laughs) Um, And that's the last one that John Williams scored, and I think it's the best score for Harry Potter. It's of all of them. He built on – it's kind of like where I think Empire's the best score of the Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's any arguing. It is the best score of all the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. I think Harry Potter 3, the um, uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban, is right. the best John Williams score of the Harry Potter films. Okay. If you I'm, haven't heard it, check it out. I haven't, and so I'm going to be on the lookout for there, that. There, the scene where Harry learns to fly the hippogriff is so John Williams. Like the, these, <laughs> the, the emotion, the strings, right. the music, the... the the connectivity of what the the child is experiencing and you're hearing and feeling and watching right it's like synergy it's 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 magic it li- well, it literally is magic wow that's so you that definitely out. want to get that one it's uh it's fabulous all right that, oh my gosh we've only got one more segment to go what do we talk about what do we what do we leave off the floor what do we what do we pick up off of the floor what are we going to do i don't know we're going to figure it out when we come back we've got more bk on the air coming away as we wind down this fourth saturday of the month bk is on vacation enjoying a little time at the beach which i'm sure we'll hear about that next week as we will already be entering the month of june folks can you believe it just around the corner it's bk on the air he played the world's most famous masked man. Then the courts took his mask away. How did this resourceful hero of yesteryear hide his identity? Sun sensor lenses that change. Indoors, they're light. Outdoors, they change the dark sunglasses. Wow, silver dollar. What were those sunglasses that stranger was wearing? Those were no ordinary sunglasses, man. Those had sun sensor lenses. Hell, silver! Sun sensor lenses that change. Why buy just a video game from Atari or Intellivision? Invest in the wonder computer of the 1980s for under $300. The Commodore VIC-20. Unlike games, it has a real computer keyboard. With the Commodore VIC-20, the whole family can learn computing at home. Plays great games, too. Under $300, the wonder computer of the 1980s, the Commodore VIC-20. Coming soon, Commodore brings you Gorf, the wonder arcade game, and Omega Race in home versions. Commodore. Welcome back, everybody. Waking up. No, not waking up. Oh, sir. Hopefully you have woken up. Well, yeah. But I was about to say, I got an autopilot mode. I was like, waking up with Alan. No, it's BK on the air with Alan Sanders instead. BK uh, got word. I guess you saw the text message. Uh, they've landed safely. By, yes. by landed, they've driven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the car has pulled into the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, BK pulling into uh, the Gulf Shores, enjoying the Gulf of Mexico. Yep. And uh, and he <laughs> he foolishly left us in charge. I know. <laughs> he actually asked me to come in. He's like, hey, <laughs> my ratings need a little boost. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. We'll work right on that for you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What is... Oh, I know what this is. Never mind. This is not something I need to pull up. I am looking for something else to pull up. Uh, BK, some stuff for Saturday, which we've already talked about. Oh, here's the one. 
All right, here we go. This is a story I had no knowledge of, and we can thank MeTV for this. Do you ever follow MeTV? Um, I'm sure yes. you probably watch it, but do you ever go to the website? Actually, the Roku doesn't have MeTV. Really? It doesn't, and I'm, I miss it Aww. a lot. And same with the Heroes and Icons channel. Aww. I love those. I know. But I do follow their But do you YouTube, go to the website at all? YouTube channel. I've YouTube. been to the website, okay. too, yeah. Because they got a lot of cool like trivia stuff and mm-hmm. surveys, and they oh, have yeah. tests you can take and quizzes you can take. This is a story I didn't know anything about it. Maybe BK knew, and he was just going to bring it to the audience. And you tell me if you knew, because you had mentioned off-air one of our breaks that the passing of Leonard Nimoy hit you. Yes, very hard. Did you know Spock once picked up JFK in his cab? No. Did no. not. Neither did I. So let's continue <laughs> down this story provided to us from BK. So if it's wrong, we know who to blame. Yes. <laughs> Before he navigated the stars, Leonard Nimoy navigated the streets of L.A. as a cab driver. Wow. Actors often struggle at the beginning of their careers. We all mm-hmm. know that. You work yes. for a restaurant or a diner or someplace where you get the ability to take time off and go to your audition. Yes, exactly. Uh, the jobs are few and far between when you're first starting out. The gigs you do land aren't exactly a money faucet either. Sometimes actors have to go after side hustles to stay financially afloat, mm-hmm. especially if an actor is ineligible for equity wages. Supplementing that meager income is the only way to survive. Yes. That was the case for Leonard Nimoy. Before he boarded the USS Enterprise on Star Trek, before that he donned the, before he donned those iconic pointy ears, Nimoy wore many hats, a veritable Vulcan jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. He was a salesman. He hawked vacuum cleaners. He wow. hawked freezers. Nimoy worked at a pet store. He put smiles on faces, scooping ice cream. Wow. He sent he serviced vending machines and managed apartment buildings. At one point, before he was known to the entire galaxy. Leonard Nimoy even installed and did maintenance on fish tanks. I did not know any of that. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, It says, in a time before he navigated the stars, Leonard Nimoy navigated the streets of Los Angeles as a cab driver. He just left the military, which he served between 53 and 55. Nimoy served his country as a staff sergeant in the Army Special Services. Nimoy spent all day looking for acting work, and at night he'd pick up and drop off passengers throughout the city. According to this, quote, I got a call to go to the Bel Air Hotel to pick up a Mr. Kennedy, Nimoy told the Tampa Tribune. The year was 1956. It was a highly political time right before the convention, and Stevenson and Kefner were running strong. Noticeably the same Stevenson Adelaide that was the cousin of Mash McLean Stevenson, who was running the political hopeful campaign. Okay. When I got to the Bel Air, I asked the doorman if I was waiting for the senator from Massachusetts. He said he didn't know. When Kennedy came down, the doorman whispered to me, is this guy a senator? (laughs) (laughs) Two soon-to-be icons found themselves in the same car. Neither of them could have predicted how much their cultural cachet would grow through the 60s. So what would have you so what would you have heard as a fly on the wall as that cab left the Bel Air Hotel? Oh yeah. Well, as Kennedy got in the cab, I said, quote, How are things up in Massachusetts, Senator? He perked up. He said, Are you from Massachusetts? He asked me. Um, he asked me so many questions. He was so socially oriented. He asked me, Why are you in California? Where are your folks came from? Why are they why did they come to America? What do they thought of what do they thought of him being an actor? Right. Mm-hmm. Imagine JFK before the president asking exactly. you all these questions. Well, this is how he got elected. He was yeah. very personable. People could relate to him. Absolutely. He said, naturally, the conversation turned to politics. Of course. Quote, I asked him about Stevenson's chances, said Nimoy, and he said, you meet a lot of people. What do you think? 
He goes, it seems the uh, the then senator was already trained to tread carefully when discussing political yep. opponents. <laughs> I asked him what would happen if Stevenson won the nomination but lost the election. He said he'd be finished politically. That was one of the flat statements he made about politics. Wow. As all cab rides do, the fateful one eventually ended. When it did, it became immediately clear that JFK was not carrying any cash. After dropping Kennedy off at the Beverly Hilton, Leonard Nimoy had to follow the president to be to mm-hmm. the hotel lobby to collect the dollar twenty-five fare. Oh wow! From someone JFK knew. Not only was Nimoy reimbursed, he got a dollar seventy-five tip. Ah. He even remembered how much awesome. he got tipped. Wow. That is so cool. That is very cool. Did you see the um, the documentary done by Spock's kid um. that came out on Netflix? I think it was called no. I Am Spock. Me. I think Netflix. I heard of it. it. I did, yeah, I don't think so. It was really good. I saw one of the ones done by Roddenberry's kid. I think this was Spock. I think well, this no, was, there, there's, this was there, Nimoy's no, kid. No, there's two. There's, they're different. I'm going to have to look that up now. You got me going, oh. <laughs> But I think it was just called well, I Am Spock. Because his books, you know, the first one was I Am Not Spock. <laughs> and then he came out with another book called I Am Spock. Uh, oh, for the love of Spock. Okay. For the love of Spock. That's what it is. For the love of Spock. You got to check that one out. That I will. was a very well done documentary. And you didn't realize, I mean, Leonard Nimoy was a bit selfish. He put his family through a lot in pursuit of his career. And oh, I think that's mm-hmm. the problem with acting in general. You have to give everything you've got to it, yeah. which leaves little for the people who you think you are in love with or you want to mm-hmm. create a family with or you right. want to raise children, mm-hmm. but then you're gone. Yeah. But uh, it was a pained relationship at one point in time, but it looked like by the end they had grown back together. And then this is kind of like his the love letter from the son to his father. Oh, let's see. That's nice. It's, that's cool. It was it was good. I'm, I'm sure they pulled a few punches, but I don't think many. Mm-hmm. So it does humanize Leonard Nimoy a little. Guess what? We all have flaws. Did yeah, you know that? Exactly. <laughs> hmm. We're not perfect. We're not. Um, <laughs> and yet, somehow, if we just show the right scene taken out of context that someone shares online, you're the worst person in the world. Uh-huh. Exactly. Or you just read the headline of an article. Oh, yeah. Why Why dive deeper than that? Uh-huh. All right. So before we wrap up, we got to talk about this. Okay. Because it's something that I have just been dreading, and I know BK can't wait to go see. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I have to get Commander Clark's thoughts on that. Having only seen the trailers and not read any reviews, but seen some of the commentary on it, I I want to see it. I will. I think it's going to be awful. <laughs> I don't know if, if anything can be awfuler than Crystal Skull, but this one does look awful. The reason I say that is it looks like Indy is a second character in his own movie. And Harrison Ford, I'm sorry, it was he's just too old. He mm-hmm. is. So we'll see. Maybe I'll be surprised. I don't know. One of the things that I think when I look at it, it's probably going to be very well directed. Yeah. I think we're going to have some great action pieces. Right. I would argue if you look at Crystal Skull in tiny pieces, there's some great set pieces and oh, some yeah. great action sequences. Oh, yes, definitely. That doesn't make for a good movie. No. <laughs> it does not. Here's the irony. The guys that I'm friends with that do the Indiana Jones Minute, mm-hmm. I remember that they were having some 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 struggle in Temple of Doom. Really? Because they're like, this is a really fun movie when you watch it at full speed. When you right. slow it down and look one minute at a time, you're like, how is this a movie? Really? On the flip side, hmm. 
when they broke down and I was a guest on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they're like, the direction, the lighting, the angles, the music, when you look at only a minute at a time, you're like, wow, this is really well done. Right. Then you play it at full speed and you go, what a pile of crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> and it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that these guys wow. were like, that, that somehow... Temple of Doom didn't really hold up as well scrutinizing it a minute at a time, but yet works great when you watch it full speed, oh, yeah. whereas you can only handle Crystal Skull in one minute at a time chunks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's probably... Yes, <laughs> I would agree. I got to tell you, that the whole motorcycle chase scene that happens early in the movie on the campus of the college that oh, yeah. runs through mm-hmm. is phenomenal. It's yes. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem with it. Well, yeah. And I don't blame... Um, the kid. I don't blame uh, the actor because he, he had to do whatever his lines said to do. Oh, that yeah. wasn't his mm-hmm. fault. I think he made the most of the lines he had. Right. Exactly. It, it wasn't a very well written movie. No. Which you know, no. you, you would think that at some point you, you would think guys and I and I don't maybe it's just something happened. Shiloh LaBeouf. Shiloh LaBeouf. Yeah. I had to stop thinking about it. <laughs> you would think somebody like a Spielberg. Who's mm-hmm. made such brilliant films would be aware of what of where the pitfalls are at this point. Yes, and you just have to wonder: Does everybody just get to the point where you just have lost your spark? Maybe, or it could be he just didn't really want to do it. I did hear that, for whatever it's worth. I don't know if that's a good excuse to have put out a crappy product. Well, yeah. That he and Lucas had completely different ideas on which direction the fourth movie should go, and that's why it feels a little splintered. Maybe. Yeah. That could be it. But you're right. That is not a good excuse because, like, Roy Scheider didn't want to do Jaws 2, but he does a great performance in it. Jaws 2 may be the only sequel that you feel like, had that been released by itself, would have been a hit movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only because lo- Jaws lo- 1 was a little bit better. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. It was better. It was better. But, I, Jaws but I do is, like Jaws 2. Is well worth watching. Oh, yes. None Very of the much so. Are. Mike, great to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Awesome. folks, thank you for putting up with me. BK, thank you. Till next week, come back for more BK on the Air. Don't ever tell a lie. Say your prayers at night before you go to bed. And so, as our friends south of the border can say, adios, amigos. Wait. Where are you going? I was going to make espresso.